for tuning in this morning. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is, Your Future Needs a New You. So let me tell you where I'm getting this message from. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Paul says this. He says, throw away, throw away your old sinful desires, your old sinful nature, and your former way of living. Throw them away because... They have been corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew. The Spirit does this. The Spirit of God, let Him renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And then put on a new nature which has been created to be like God, truly holy and righteous. So what that passage is saying is we have two natures that are calling us and compelling us. We have two options. We can rest in this old nature, this old, it's a very sinful nature. It's, it's completely corrupt. It's, it's full of lust and deception. That old nature tells us that that's the way to go. And then it's full of lies. It, but the new nature, the new nature is who God is calling us to be. One of them has to, has to be a cognitive, purposeful decision. And I'm imploring you this morning. I'm imploring you that you choose to put that new nature on and kill the old one. Kill it. It's essential for your future. Wherever you're at in life, whatever good thing has happened to you, however much success you have experienced, what has got you here will not get you there. In order for you to step into a new season and be successful, you have to step into a new nature. The the sacrifice of killing your old nature is necessary. It is of, of paramount importance. Your new nature, this new season, your assignment will not allow your old nature. You can't walk into a new season and still be having your old ways active and alive. This is why Paul said this. He said, I urge you. This is in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. No, yeah, 12, verse 2. I urge you. I urge you to kill your, your old nature to offer your life as a living sacrifice to God. A living sacrifice. It's actually Romans 12 verse 1, sorry. I'm urging you. Why is he saying that? Because there are things about us that they have to die. They have to go away. They have to be done. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Um, a friend of mine asked me what I used to look like when I had hair. And I was like, I don't even remember. I have been bald for so long. 
I don't even remember what I used to look like with hair. And so um, they said they wanted to see a picture of it. And so um, if you follow me on Instagram, you've already seen this. But I, I put a picture of me with hair on Instagram. This was the picture that, uh, that I put up there. There, all, there it is. Uh, all, the, all the hair I've ever had right there. And, uh, and then I, I was kind of torn because there was another picture that I was going to put up. This is my basketball picture when I was in high school. There's all the hair I've ever had. Boom, there it is. Nothing special. Uh, but what's so interesting is when I look at an old picture of me, almost 100% of the time, I do the same thing, and I don't even plan on doing it. It's almost subconscious. But I see an old picture of me, and all of a sudden I go... I close my eyes and I just shake my head. Because other people, most people, when they look at an old picture of me, they're like, oh, Frankie with hair. When I look at an old picture of me, I know how I was living then. Right? And there's parts of my testimony that I'll share with you to give God glory. But there's other parts of my testimony. God's not going to get the glory because I'm not telling anybody ever. You can pull my fingernails out of my hand and we're still not going to talk about certain areas of my life that God has walked me through and helped me conquer. Does anyone have an area of their life that God brought you through but you are not going to talk about it? You are not going to talk about it. This is not open for discussion. And so when I see those pictures, I remember that. And I'm like, well, if God doesn't remember it, I'm not going to remember it either. Thank you very much. Mwah. But I remember being, uh, I just finished my freshman year in college. And um, this pastor and uh, his wife up in Rockford, Illinois, just outside of Chicago, said, uh, and the, was the wife in particular who ended up becoming a mother of the Lord to me, she said, I believe the call of God is on your life. And I whispered to myself, I believe you're smoking weed. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. Uh, I was 19, just finished my first year at Lamar University. And I remember thinking, you have lost your mind. You don't know who I am. I distinctly remember that. But I wanted her to be right. I wanted her to be right. And so I was willing to go under an internship with her and her husband up in Rockford. And so I packed my my car, a Honda Civic hatchback. And uh, I had like a hundred zillion miles on it, but it was my car and I loved it. And every single hubcap was different. Some of you don't know what a hubcap is because you have rims. Anyone remember hubcaps? God bless those hubcaps. You might lose one on the road, but don't worry about it. You can buy the same one at Walmart. Just go kick that thing on. Anybody has some, some hubcaps? There we go. All right. All right. Anyway, so on my way up to Rockford, um, I've got everything that I own inside of this Honda Civic hatchback, and this only happens in Texas, and but I think, well, I don't know. Uh, this guy was burning leaves in his front yard. I'm sure it happens other places, but this guy was burning leaves in his front yard. That's perfectly normal in Texas. You don't even turn your head. Oh, yeah, there's a big fire in a guy's front yard. No big deal. Just keep moving forward. And so I'm driving on the road, and all of a sudden, I'm crying the whole time because I just left the house. I'm only 20 minutes down the street. I'm crying the whole time because I'm leaving my dad and me and my dad are best friends. And I know once I get to Chicago, I'm never, I'm, I'm never coming back to live in his house again. I knew that. And uh, so I'm crying. And I know this is a big chapter in my life. And all of a sudden, I remembered in the back of my car 
with all the stuff that I own, that I had this orange shoebox. Now, if you were born after the year 1995, you don't know the significance of a shoebox. You don't know anything about it, okay? You got cell phones. So the best way I can connect with you this morning is to imagine that everything in your cell phone is inside of a shoebox. All the pictures in the shoebox, all the texts in the shoebox, all the letters in the shoebox. Are you with me? Say yes. Raise your hand if you grew up with a shoebox under your bed. Look at all those hands. The shoebox. And nobody can know what is in the shoebox. You will kill somebody if they open up the shoebox. So it's not only under the bed, it's against the wall. It's in the shoebox. And it's not like they're terrible things. They're just very personal things. Like there's pictures in there. Like actual pictures that you can hold. It's not on a screen, on a phone. I looked at my phone the other day. I got 19,000 pictures in my phone. I'm like, dear Lord, I remember when I had 17 and my life revolved around those 17 pictures. And they would be in the shoebox. If you are a girl and you had a shoebox... You have the first letter a boy wrote you. It's inside of the shoebox. I remember my dad telling me when I was like in the seventh grade, do not ever write a love letter to a girl because it's going in the shoebox and they will pull it out of the shoebox when you're a senior and go, do you remember this? Shoeboxes go way back. Every phone number of every friend, every guy, every girl, everybody is in the shoebox. Are you with me? Say yes. So here I am driving to Rockford, Illinois, and all of a sudden I remember the shoebox, and I see the fire. And I didn't know it was God at the time, but it was like, burn the shoebox. And I was like, that's the devil. (laughs) Satan, get behind me. I'm dying. I'm going to go in the casket like this with my shoebox. So I get out of the car. I walk, walk in this guy's yard. And you don't do that in Texas. They'll shoot you. But I opened up the shoebox and I start throwing one picture after the next. The next letter, the next picture, the next. And I started, I had this little day planner that had phone numbers in it. And I'd rip out one page at a time, rip it out one page at a time and throw it in there. I'm crying the whole time. Because you throw phone numbers in the fire, you'll never get them back. Ever get them back. You don't have, that is, that is it. Boom, 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 throwing it. I'm crying the whole time because I know from this moment forward, my life is going to be completely different. At that moment, for me, I was killing my old nature. There was no going back at that point. There was no, I couldn't call them if I wanted to. You know, back in those days, you could memorize about 10 phone numbers, right? Raise your hand if you could memorize 10 phone numbers back in those days. You can't memorize two phone numbers today, but you could memorize 10 back in those days. But all my friends, there was no doubt they would never be in my life again. They would never be in my life again. And I knew that. There is a time where you look, there are certain seasons and the Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind. It may not sound like God talking to Abraham, but you will know, you will know, it'll be right here. And you will know when it's time to look at a part of your nature and say, this part of me can no longer live anymore. If you listen to that verse that we just quoted earlier from Ephesians, it says that we must throw off 
our old sinful nature and our former ways of living so that the Holy Spirit will give us new thoughts and a new attitude. You can't go into this next season with the same thoughts and the same attitude you've had in the past. They have to go. They have to go. If you try to hang on to them, you will live the longest season of your life. There are some people that live in the same season for 10 years, 15 years. It doesn't matter what the calendar does. It doesn't matter what year it is. They are not willing to take their uh, their attitudes and their thoughts and their old sinful behavior and lay it down on the altar and say, God, burn it all. Burn it all. I can't talk to these people. I can't talk to these people. And I don't know that this is from God for anyone in this room. You will know. But some of those Facebooks got to go into the fire. Some of those Instagrams got to go into the fire. Delete, 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 delete. Because those computers, see, in my day when I was growing up, I could burn the whole thing. Boom, burn the whole thing. But in this day and age, you can reach into your pocket and live in a private world that nobody knows about. But God knows about it. And you will not go into the next season of your life, the next part of your assignment, thinking that you have this private life that nobody knows about. I promise you, what is done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. It will be shouted from the rooftops. I feel like this is for somebody in this room. Please, please, I'm telling you, I'm warning you. If you think you're living in secret and you're getting away with it, you are living in a moment of grace. Do not tempt him. It will come out. No secret is held together forever. No secret. No secret. It will come out and you'll watch your entire life fall apart right before your eyes. Get out while the getting is good. Get out while you can. Shut it down while you can. Can you put your hands together for that? Shut it down. Shut it down. Uh, there was this, uh, this, this young boy, um, before I say this, yeah, I'll just jump right into it. There's this young boy selling a, a lawnmower on the side of the road. And a preacher walks up to, uh, doesn't walk him, he's driving his car, he rolls the window down and goes, hey, does the lawnmower run? And uh, the, the young guy said, yeah, he's just a little boy. Yeah, yeah, it runs, it runs. And so he gets out and goes, well, I'm looking for a lawnmower. And so he reaches down and he grabs the string and he starts pulling it. And he keeps pulling it, pulling it, and pulling it. And the little boy goes, uh, you got to cuss at it in order for it to come on. And, and the preacher said back, he said, look, I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm born again. My life has changed. I haven't cussed in years. And he goes, well, you keep pulling that string and it'll come back to you real quick. <laughs> See, the, our old nature can get woken up that fast. That fast. See, right now, some of you have your church face on like, I don't know what you're talking about, preacher. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm born again, set free, sanctified, and Holy Ghost. I'm born again. Just one person that can poke you in a certain way, and all of a sudden, it's like a Tyrannosaurus Rex comes out. It's like, what happened to the one that was worshiping Sunday morning? Well, you shouldn't have said what you said, and it just comes out. That old you comes out. The old you can wake up in a second, and that's why Paul said, I die, not once. Every day, every single day, I take my own personal desires, I take my own personal goals, I lay it on the altar. And in Psalms chapter 5, verse 3, it says, every morning I wake up, 
I take the pieces of my life and I lay it on the altar and I wait for the fire to fall. You got to take the pieces of your life and lay it on that altar. What happens on the altar? Things burn on the altar. You take the pieces of your life, you lay it on the altar, you take every gift you've ever received, every hope, every dream, everything you've ever hoped for, lay it with an open hands before God and say, God, here it all is. You know what my desire is. You know what it is, but I'm just laying it down on the altar. If we do not learn, how to step into a new season with a new nature, we will not experience the full assignment that God has for us. You cannot walk in your old nature in a new season. The Lord will not allow it. He will not allow it. It will. And when that old nature wakes up and all of a sudden you begin to realize that you're acting like the old you, you got to go to God immediately say, I need you. I need you. See, the old you cursed people. The new you blesses people. See, the old you live for personal pleasure. The new you desires his presence. The old you had an attitude. The new you has an anointing. And when you step into that and you begin to focus on God and not so much your own desires, the Holy Spirit will open up a world to you that you don't know anything about. It is far greater than your own imagination. If you knew the plans that God has for you, your plans wouldn't even matter anymore. Let me see if I can illustrate this real quick. Uh, When I was 24, I went to this conference. It was a leadership conference. And and the guy gets up there and he goes, I want everybody here to get out a pad and paper and write down the letters B-H-A-G. And so we all, there's like a thousand of us. And he's one of those motivator leadership guys. And so I write B-H-A-G. And he goes, that stands for Big Harry audacious goals. So for the next 10 minutes, I want you to write down the most, the greatest goals you could ever dream of. I don't care if it costs millions of dollars and you only have two cents in your pocket. These are big, hairy, audacious goals. These are big hags. All right, on the mark, get set, go. And he turns up the music and everyone starts writing, 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 writing. And I'm standing with my pen and I'm like, Think, 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 Big Harry all day. He was throwing me off with the Harry, you know, because I was already losing my arrows again. And so I was having an ADD moment. I'm like, why are we even calling? Blah, blah, Anyway, 10, 15 minutes goes by. I got nothing on the paper. Nothing. Because I realized that even my own imagination of what I could hope for the most was actually disappointing to me. Like if my whole life can reach that, it would still be disappointing to me. And so I just put the pen down. I was like, I have no big, hairy, audacious goals. I don't even know what it is because you're asking me to dream big. And even if I can imagine the yacht and the boat and the house and the helicopter, even if I could imagine all that, it just seems like it would be hollow to me. And then I come across a verse that many of you guys know so well. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, 
where it says that he is able to give us more than we can ask, seek, or imagine. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you this. And many of you can raise your hand and go, that's me too. In the seasons when I am willing to sacrifice my own selfish desires and pursue him with fervency and and, and consistency, I begin to see God open up doors for me that I could not have opened for myself. I begin to have opportunities that I could not have arranged on my own. Is anyone here with me where you say, there's been moments in my life. Come on, put your hands together. There's been moments in my life that things happen and I could not have made that happen. But if you look a little bit closer to those seasons, those were also the seasons that you realized that you couldn't do it on your own. And there's something about God. There's something about his personality that when he looks at us in James 4, 6, he says, if you're prideful, guess what? I'm opposing you. But when you are in those seasons of humility, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to kick doors open for you. I'm going to just pave the way before you. And let us look into our hearts and say, I'm going to trust it. I'm going to trust it. Holy Spirit, talk to me. Is there a part of my life that offends you? Am I talking in a way that offends you? Am I dressing in a way that offends you? Because everything is on the altar. There's something about God that when he notices that you are a 50-50 person, you're 50% dead and you're 50% alive. The 50% of your old nature is still very much alive. And then, but there's 50% of you that it's a new creation and you love the Lord. I want to tell you, you will never see the fullness of God in your life until you give him your full heart. You'll never see it. You'll never see it. And if you want to test yourself to find out how much of you, how much of your heart has been given to God, your words will tell you. What you say and what you laugh at will tell you. How you talk, your language will tell you what's in there. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you say behind closed doors, what you say behind someone's back, the way you talk in your house when no one else is here, the way you talk to your family versus the way you talk to your friends and your employees and your work associates, you listen to the way you talk and that will reveal to you where you're really at. And I want to tell you, so long as that old nature is alive and strong, and you are just indulging in your own personal desires, you will miss out. You will miss out on God's plan for you. You will miss out. And so if you're sitting here and you say, okay, 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 you got me. What do I do from here? Two things. Number one is you have to have an altar. You have to have an altar. Your altar could be in your closet. 
Your altar could be that old chair in your house. It's old, but you love it. Your altar can be anywhere, but you know where it's at, and you visit it often. That was the verse I mentioned earlier in Psalms 5.3. Every morning I wake up, I put my pieces of my life on the altar. Every morning you have to have an altar. If you're going to walk in a new anointing, a new nature, a new person, where you look back at your old you and go, that's not me, that's not me, that's another guy ago. You have to have an altar because at the altar is where everything gets altered. But here's the key. When you stand up from that altar and you begin to live the rest of your day, you have to stay connected. You have to stay with him. You can't connect with him at the altar and then disconnect when you stand up from it. And this is why in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says this. It says, pray in the spirit at all times. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, never stop praying. So you have your altar, but then you stay connected to his spirit throughout the day. Are you with me? Say yes. Come on. Are you with me? Say yes. When that happens, when that happens, what we see is that his power and his presence is able to flow through you. See, it's it's almost like, imagine this vessel. And if I was, if I would have known I was going to say this, I would have brought a visual illustration. But imagine a vessel and it's got a bunch of muck and grime at the bottom of it. And the Lord takes oil and he pours it into the vessel and says, all right, I'm going to use you as a vessel and pour my oil out. Well, some of it is the Lord pouring out and we got a lot of this muck and grime called humanity mixed into it. So the full impact isn't taking place. God's using you, but there's not the, not the impact. And this is what frustrates Frankie. God, when I pray, I want to see something happen. Well, he's doing his work, but I got a lot of muck and grime in my life that I need out of the mix. I got too much of me mixed up in the moment. Too much of me. I need it to die. I need it to go away. And that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. But the more of me that dies, the less muck and grime that's mixed in the mix, then it's just pure Holy Spirit just flowing right through. And in the moments, in the moments where I can get my fat head in, in, in my flesh and all the things that get, when I can get it out of the way and just let God move, awesome things happen. I want to tell you, when you're locked on him, locked on him, And not distracted by all the worries and problems. Locked on him, everything else will take care of itself. Locked on him, God will use you in a way that you never dreamed. You never dreamed. Take a look at this testimony of this miracle that took place. The day that we came to church, um, uh, Pastor Frankie called up uh, probably about like two or three prayer partners that had a word of knowledge, right? Um, and one of, one of the gentlemen, he was really nice, really friendly. He had a word of knowledge of somebody with shoulder pain, and uh, that's been plaguing me for 
probably the last like 12 years. Uh, it's what ended my boxing career. So I was like, all right, you know, I know that things happen here at this church. And uh, I've been a part where, you know, there's testimonies or somebody gets a word of knowledge and then somebody gets healed later at that service. So I was, I was really excited. And I'm like, okay, it's my time. I'm going to rush up there. But I, I also suffer from tendonitis in my elbows, and that's from hitting the bags and stuff like that for like 20 plus years. This particular day that, that Pastor Frankie called up, he had a word of knowledge from the stage. You know, it's, it's right here, like in the inner elbow, and it shoots up. And like, that's, that's the exact pain. And I was like, oh shoot, that's me, you know? And I was like sitting down and I was like, ah. And I got up and I'm like, hey, over here, you know? Uh, and, and Pastor Frank goes, that's you? He's like, the elbow? I'm like, yes. He says, okay, I wanna pray for you. And um, he came over and he, uh, I, he was like, you know, lift your hands up like this, you know? He's like, does it hurt right now? I'm like, yeah, it hurts all the time. Uh, he's like, okay. And he grabbed my elbow. It, it started to feel just really warm wherever his hand was. And I'm like, man, Pastor Frankie is hot. These lights must be killing him up here. But uh, I, I began to focus and as he prayed, before he even stopped praying, I started squeezing my hand because when you squeeze it, you could feel it run down. And he was like, how do you feel right now? And I'm like, actually, I don't feel any pain at all. So I was really, really blessed to have that, that moment. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. You know, the service is... You know, it's officially over. If, if you had the app in your hand and you were looking at it, you would see clearly that um, I don't have anything else planned to say. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I've, I've prepared, studied. I'm done. I ain't got anything else. And this is usually where God does the most special things in our church at this moment right now because he knows that I know that I don't have any more bullets in the clip. Actually, I should say that cooler. I have no more, I don't have any more rounds in the clip. But this is where he starts to move. If you're a prayer partner in this room and you believe that you have a word of knowledge right now, um, I only want two, maybe three, no more. I want you to come up in the next 60 seconds or so. What a word of knowledge is, is when God tells you what he wants to do right now. A prophetic word is what he wants to do in the future. If you don't lean into the spiritual gifts, you will never see the supernatural happen. Unless God just decides to be sovereign, which is, which happens a lot. But his perfect plan is to work through you. And when it comes to words of knowledge, I, I think I'm about 70%, if I had to guess. 70% of the time I'm right. 30% of the time I got to look at the church and go, I thought that was God, but it wasn't. I'm sorry. And that happens often. Um, I've been leaning into this other gift though where I think the Lord's given me names and it's so frustrating to be transparent with you because we have three services and then you got three more services running in parallel with people watching online so there's like six little deals and so if I get a, a name in my head 
Saturday night and then I show up, I'm like, well, am I going to bring it up every single service? And, you know, how do I know? I, I much more prefer just looking at everybody saying, sorry, I was wrong. I like that. What I don't like is I don't like not having closure. Does that make sense? I'd much rather just have closure. Hey, I missed it. Sorry. Um, but last Saturday, last Sunday, I thought I missed it because uh, I had this name. Um, and what was it? Casey. Casey. And nobody was here. And I was like, well, I missed it. I'm sorry. And I could say, hey, there's somebody online named Casey, but all of you guys are real smart. Be like, yeah, sure. Sure enough, I got an email from Casey the next morning. And um, I should have brought the email so that all of you guys, but I, I like closure and I like certainty, but I don't always get it. And uh, for those of you who are very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Sarah? Very uh, you're, you're logical. Like, you need that, and, and I'm sorry for the moments where I can't give it to you. Is there any prayer partners that have a word of knowledge that want to come down? All right. You do? All right. Come on up here. Come on up here. And uh, this will be enough. This will be enough, uh, John and um, Deborah. Um, if they're wrong then you get to see what a human being can do. If they're right, you get to see what God can do. But if they're right and you don't raise your hand, I want you guys to be as specific as possible. If you don't raise your hand, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe God will heal you anyway. But if you come down here, these are the testimonies that we get. Um, all right. Deborah, go ahead. Is that anybody in this room? Your bottom left jaw is hurting? Is that anyone? You? All right, come down here. Come down here. Anyone bottom left? What about you, John? Acid reflux. Is anyone here? Now, here's the thing. Is there anyone in this room? Just raise your hand right here. Okay. Now, for those of you who are very cognitive, someone else over here? Might be more than one. You too? Come down. For those of you that are very cognitive and you're like, prove it. Don't feel bad for being that kind of a thinker. God made you that way. What I want you to do keep coming back and if you don't see these testimonies of people getting healed of this stuff then decide no one's getting healed but if you're consistently seeing people get healed then you say to the Lord alright they're getting healed I still don't believe I need your help and he will help you he will help you um is there someone here named Tony that is having vision problems? Tony, that's having trouble with your vision. 
anyone here? And also, this not, might not be Tony, but somebody else. Pain right here on your right wrist. If it's your left, I'm going to have you pray with somebody else. But if it's you, then I want to pray for you myself. Your right wrist, pain right in here. Is there anybody in this room? Come on down. Is that you, Renee? All right. I'm really bothered by that name, Tony. Because I got it last night. Does anyone have someone in their direct family that's named Tony that has trouble with their vision? And I'm not going to be like some of those guys. Has anyone ever met somebody named Tony that has glasses? Does <laughs> anyone, anyone rhyme with the name Tony? But in all seriousness, that name Tony was really on my mind. What? What? No. And I was just kidding whenever I said rhyme. I know Bonnie rhymes with Tony, but I was just kidding. But we will pray for you. We'll pray for you. All right, let me ask you to raise your hands if you would. Prayer partners, come down. There's people here that need to give their life to the Lord. They need to give their heart to the Lord. you to come down and just pray with the prayer partner. Nobody leave until we sing this song at least one time through. I love you all so much. Be blessed in Jesus' name.